angels. Good evening. So, uh, I just wanted to come on. I'm on my way home. It's Saturday night, obviously. And um, on my way to work today, I was thinking about when I was going to do my podcast, but something distracted me. Couldn't remember what I was going to do, but I remembered today. So, one of the things, there's a couple of things. You know, with my podcast, uh, my my goal and my aim is to guide angels who have been indoctrinated upon coming to earth, growing through their earthly body, being impacted from the wrong mother. Because I swear to God, I feel like all the real angels have the wrong mama. And the crazy thing is, there are a lot of angels just don't want to admit that their mama is broken, that she ain't working for them on behalf of them. And there's a statement that um, has often been said that you will know them by their seed. People think that it's the seeds they sow, but it's really the seeds that they give off, their children, you know? And so that's the same. And so, um, you know, for me, when I hear people going, oh, I'm such a great mom and your ass is broken, wild, destroying your own kids, can't get along with your siblings, you know what I mean? Or, or just hurting other people, mean for no reason, just viciousness. Your mother failed you. Because the goal for all of us should be to raise not just successful, financially children, educated, but also good people. We should be raising humans that can go forth and make a difference. That's the difference between angels and non-angels. You know, as angels, we're here to make a difference. But even though some of us are indoctrinated to where we think that what we're doing is okay, and you know, we're chasing the American dream, materialism, coach bags, Birkin bags, and all the madness. But at the same time, at the same time, we're also, you know, trying to ensure that our children are going forth to walk in their purpose because if they're not walking in their purpose then you're failing as a spiritual leader i know there are a lot of parents who uh figure just you know trying to have some sort of you know go to bed eat a five you know what i mean like the look of television type of, uh, you know, parenting or whatever, it's just not the same because the things that are on TV are not matching the lifestyle of what, you know, we have here on earth. So we have to really get to the bottom of some key things. If we want to make a difference in the world, in the future, we have to get a hold of how we're parenting the youngsters coming up. You know, I am from Los Angeles, South Central LA, and I grew up with a teen mom and a bunch of all her sisters were pretty much teenagers. Even one got married at 18, but she was still a teen mom. Even though she married him, she was a teen mom. They didn't stay together, volatile relationship, you know, you know, caused the girls, the daughters to hate their dad, hate black men, you know, all that because of the way the parents parented. One of the things that's super serious to me is I noticed, because I was a little kid, I was about 12 years old, 
and I was already going back and forth into, you know, the valley and into uh, middle class and upper middle class environments to go to school when my mom started having me bust. And so during that time, as much as I hated it, I got a chance to see that there's a different life outside of South Central because a lot of people literally are stuck right there. And when they visit other places, they go to the ghetto, you know, they go, where's the ghetto around here? Oh, where the back's at? <laughs> and so it's super imperative that we help our children know that there's life outside the hood. But at the same time, we should not be teaching our children to try to live, be better than others, feel better than others with the exception of just being a better person than the people who are not being good people. What you have, you know, all of these things, you know, I, I'm just gonna go a little deeper real quick. So when I think about the 80s, like I'm from the 70s and I remember during the 70s towards like 10, 11, there became like an influx of violence. Like when I was little, you know, six, you know, seven in South Central, we weren't really fighting like that. But then these meanies moved into the neighborhood. And, and that was just like an influx of people. And, and as we moved into like busing situations where we were being bused to these white schools, we would always have these black kids like with the curly perms and, you know, trying to dress in like the latest gear. But the challenge was that they are all hating you know they're I'm just gonna be honest <laughs> a lot of them were islanders did not come from America and had been poised and given an image of us to say that you know you have to separate yourself from these blacks because they're ghetto they're from where a lot of these other kids were from the upper area like you know Crenshaw you know Baldwin Hills area and um, and so you got the kids that were dressed cute and feeling better and hanging amongst each other, but they were harassing the urban kids that were just trying to get an education. We were being bused to just have better, to not be in their environment and have to fight. The shit was acting ignorant in the ghetto. But there they are, those West Indian kids with more, ready to fight and start trouble for no reason, try to make people feel bad about what they're wearing. So there's a big separation and it's sick. Because at the end of the day, when you have to check off things about your race, it asks you if you're black. It asks you if you're from like um, Pacific Islander. But here's the thing. Only people that are trying to separate us as black people are supremacists. Because they knew what went on in Jamaica. They knew how the British destroyed them Jamaicans, raped the shit out of the men, you know, made the women feel so ugly. Like, even now, I was thinking about it this morning, growing up with my Jamaican stepfather and that whole life of the people coming to our house, you know, making our house the place they stopped when they landed in America, you know, and, and they were just so freaking horrible. <laughs> and the crazy thing was the women were super aggressive, you know, super aggressive. And, um, and the interesting thing about it is you know, the people who had, like, the, even the dark ones or the Jamaican, you know, black-looking ones that had money, they had to have an attitude. They had to be just be different, like, mean-spirited. And yet, I would meet the ones that were called coolie. 
that had the softer hair, they had that beautiful skin, not a nick on it, it wasn't black and rusty, cut up, you know, bought up, fought up, they were just real peaceful young ladies, and I could see how <laughs> living in Jamaica, somebody would like them over the other people, because um, they were smooth in the skin, they were quiet and sweet, they were not fighting and cussing and acting crazy, and, and that's just, that's what it is. So for me, though, I always struggled while I was young. I struggled because, you know, you'd want to try and find a place to fit in. And as a black American, if somebody said I'm American, usually like in Florida where I was growing up, they were like ignorant and ghetto. But the people who had a little more, they were the ones that were part Jamaican, part this, part that. And the sad thing is, is that we allow ourselves to be pigeonholed into like a certain stereotype and we could easily just be great. So I wanna challenge the mothers and fathers and guardians in urban areas to, to allow yourself to make way for the kids to experience better. Here's the part. If you're sending your kids, grandkids, whoever, you know, into the world and they are looking at other people who are of color and they're choosing the Indians or the Asians or the white people, anybody but their own people, you are killing the way you're raising them. It's incorrect and it's hateful. You know, you have to teach your kids to love who they are, to love themselves, and that will give way to loving their people. Our people need the love though. We need it. We need the love because with the love, we can be great. Without the love, we struggle. Without unity, we lose. So we have to get to the point where we're understanding what we need. So I was thinking about how in urban areas, you know, you get to go to the water. You know, everybody get together, go to the beach. Everybody get together, go to the park, barbecue. Everybody get together, you know what I mean? Um, you know, go buy something from the store, go to the mall, you know, amusement parks and shit. But what what is sad, what is sad is that the people oftentimes struggle with the fact that we also need other things, right? Like, we need all types of things. We need people to be able to, you know, try to make a difference for each other. Like, make a difference in the lives of each other, you know? Like, if we could do that, if we can make a difference in the lives of each other, then we can make a difference, period. And so, all we have to do is ensure that we take the children into different environments. And when you go there, don't go all ghetto. There's nothing wrong with pulling your shit together and acting like you have some damn sense. Why? It's not acting white. It's not acting like you're not acting yourself. It's about representation of your culture in the best way possible. Because the TV is given all types of images of us. And so people who are foreign, people who are not of us are often 
struggling going, hey, you know, um, this person, I don't want to be around them. You know, like when they see, like in this environment that I work in, it's very international, but it's like Middle Easterny, Pakistani, Lebanese, you know, these types of personalities and Asians, a lot of Mexicans, I guess, because like my daughter said that they need some workers. And the scary part for me is the black representation that they have there are foreign black people who really, not all of them, but like, I would say like uh, more than 80%. I don't want to say 90, that's not fair. But a large number of the people are representing themselves in a way that if I went, if my kids or people went to school, my kids are different. But if people went to school with these kids, they may not make friends with them because everybody is materialistic. Everybody is, you know, pretty much stuck in a place of materialism. So if your kids aren't looking their absolute very best, they're going to be judged and it's going to be difficult for them. Doesn't matter that they're really smart. That's what a lot of parents tell their kids before they leave for school, you know, is that they, you know, that they, uh, a lot of the things that they, you know, do is they make the kids feel like, you know, all you got to do is get your education. That's all it's about. It's not mommy, daddy, auntie, granny, guardian. It's also about socialization. It's also about growing friendships, you know, finding people who are of like mind, so to speak. So if you just give them a chance by sending to school nice and neat, that is going to make such a difference for them. So we often have to really pay attention to how we do that. But at the same time, one of the other things that is like really, really crazy for me is when I think about example would be for me, I've said this before in another podcast, growing up with my brother who got a chance to pretty much be, he started out in South Central where it was very violent and he, you know, because of his big ass mouth and the way he acted, he often was in a fight (laughs) and it wasn't fights that he was winning, but somebody was always going to try my brother and that sucked because I was tiny, so I was often, you know, feeling like, damn, I got to help my brother. And so um, when I was growing up, my kids, my husband took our son, you know, our first child. He took him to the park every single day in Harlem. And even though in his home, he had a car bed, he had a really sweet apartment across from Central Park. And, you know, he had a great, great environment, no arguing, no fighting nobody touching him, hurting him, doing anything to him. He was just super blessed little baby only child for the first six years. And my husband used to take him to this park up the street. He'd go to Central Park, but up the street was this park called Morningside Park. And it wasn't as sweet as Central Park. It was like the grass was kind of like eaten up a little bit in places. And, you know, it just wasn't the same. But the interesting thing about it was that it, um, that it was a place that my husband, my husband would take our son there and he would uh, make friends, you know, 
and his friends though would have his friends would have um they would play outside you know be playing in the park and they would have their shirts off you know showing their shirt you know little black boys take their shirts off or whatever and so he would be like so i would take him to the park and i was pregnant at the time and he would say to me i want to take my shirt off (laughs) because his dad had him you know doing that like that's what they did together you know they went to the park and he let him hang out with the little knuckleheads but also what my husband did which made my son able to have something warm with the knuckleheads was my son my husband posted up a sign, and I've said this before on earlier podcast, that said bikes fixed for free. So he would check your brakes, he would fix your tire, he would patch it, whatever it took to give you a safe bike, my husband would make sure he did that. And so these kids, he did that every Saturday. And so when I would take him to the park on another day, you know, when I was off or whatever was going on, he would, uh, my so my son would have friends that would be like, hey, Aaron. <laughs> but um he got a chance to play in the park and you know you have those kids that are a little ghetto like want to fight want to act up or whatever and I'm from South Central you know I was we were all about that life as kids even though we were smart we were great we were articulate but we were a group of wild animals and so um and so instead of being like one of those ghetto moms I would be like punch him in the mouth hit him I couldn't do that. I would have a conversation before we went to the park and I would let him know if you have a situation where they're holding on to you, they're doing stuff where they're trying to fight you. Mommy can't tell you to fight somebody or to hit somebody. So you got to look at mommy when they're going too far. If you feel like you would go need a hand, like something's about to pop off and you have to do something, you got to check, look over at mommy because I'm going to be right there. And I would have these codes like where I would act like I was wiping my eye with my fist, you know, punch him in the eye. I've been doing something on my mouth to the mouth. And so that's how he was. So he would whoop ass. And so he learned to protect himself, but he also never felt afraid being around black people. And I've seen so many black people who grew up in non-black environments. And this crazy thing is they could grow up in a non-black environment and be the most ghetto motherfucker in the neighborhood, right? All the people in the neighborhood know, yo, black house is ghetto as hell. And yet you feel better than the people, you know, the other black people can't make friends with no black people hanging out with all non-black people because you want to be able to uh you know be in control i guess or whatever so with that said for me though i've never liked black people who could not be around other black people that shit's weird something's wrong with you i don't care if you from jamaica haiti you know, Santo Domingo, or whatever, don't matter. You should be able to interact with your people if you can interact with other people. Freaking weirdos. So, you know, I see a lot of times, like, with people who their kids just don't feel comfortable. And mine do, and I love that. You know, currently my daughter's boyfriend is biracial. And so I'm sure a lot of people are like, ah, look at, they don't know us. They don't know that that's the first They don't know that that was a huge thing and that we're not playing at all because we're not going to allow our family to be taken down by some negative supremacy. We're not going to pretend we're somebody that we're not in order for some, you know, for the white people to feel comfortable. We're going to keep being us. We're going to keep being who we are. And we're going to, you know, continue to love our people because nobody is loving on us. And when we try to love on us, 
they send in some dirtbag non-black person for our ignorant Negro nigga men and women to act like, oh, pet her hair, pet it, pet the hair. Oh, you know, she's so, oh, I feel bad, bitch, please stop. Go hang with your people because we're over here with ours trying to get it right. I'm not impressed by non-black people ever. And so I just know that it's super important that we make sure our kids can interact with their own damn people. But on top of that, one of the other things that's important to me is that I need people to stop taking kids and hanging them around grown-ups all the time. That's not normal. Kids need to be around kids their own age. Once in a blue moon, you end up in an environment where they're not, and they just have each other, you know, or they just have you. Then, you know, be there, show your face, and get on home. Because you got to protect these kids. And what's happening is, we know the kids got cousins that are grown, and they slipping them a little smoke here, slipping them a little drink, thinks it's funny. And the thing is, though, is now when you get around kids your own age that are nothing like that. They're good kids. They came from healthy poems. They're just not from all that drama. Your kids don't know how to make friends with the people. And so you have to make sure that your kids play with other kids. Something that I learned when my son was a little boy, and I've been watching like with my cousins and stuff like that, other people my little brother, I noticed that when little kids need to play with other little people, like when they need other peers their age to play with, they can actually start acting up. And you're like, what the hell is wrong? I'm talking about bad as hell. Like, where you're like, what is wrong with you? They need their peers. They need it. Kids need peers. They need peers. If you have kids hanging out with people older than them all the time, they're going to forget their age and start wanting to be that same age. If they have big sisters that they're only hanging out with and doing all the stuff, sneaking in around, you know, doing all the weird shit that the older one is doing, you're fucking them up. I love talking to kids that are kids. I love that my husband and I sacrificed so much to ensure that our kids were able to remain kids. If you live in an urban area and your kids don't get to ride their bikes around town, if they don't get to link with friends and, you know, go do stuff, you know, if they don't get to do those things, then the sad thing is, is that they're getting jacked up. And what's going to happen is, when they start driving, when they get older, they start living the life that they missed out on. They start liking little kids when they should be with people their own age. Okay? There's a lot. There's a lot. So, growing up in South Central, I just remember the smells and stuff. Like, our neighbor, our, our yard had all of these different types of plants and, and stuff like that. But we also had a lot of bad shit going on terrible things tragic but when I go off to school and the kids are just so shiny you know they have their little bikes that they'd ride off and smelled fresh like shampoo and the neighborhood smelled fresh it was just so sad and so I'm challenging the urban people to make their environment like that 
to teach their kids to go to school shining clean not with some ignorant ghetto shit please but some real love and guess what it's not being white it's just being good people need it they're always looking for somebody you know to you know make their situation quiet and we have to make sure that we you know put ourselves in a position to do the right thing right we can always always act like you know we are I'm doing it I'm fine and in fact we're not fine (laughs) we're not fine at all you know and so I just challenge you to do your best to try and make sure that uh you know the people um, are your kids are experiencing some super positive things that you are putting them in a position to be great but most importantly that you're helping them explore things I'm going to do another um, podcast on this tomorrow on my way to work um, to really dig into how we can make a difference you know I don't know I guess there's an in my opinion being color struck is um, is mental illness So if you're a mom that's thinking, you know, that's being mean to your kids and you love that, you know, you want him to be with somebody non-black like my mother-in-law was and things like that, you're failing. It's going to bite you in the ass. It's going to bite you in the ass because it's all wrong. So I just want to say, listen, work on your kids. They're the future. Make a difference in them. They're the future. There's no other way to be except for to be trying to make your kids feel blessed and highly favored. You understand? That's it. There's no other way to be. We have to. So be safe. I send you love, peace, mercy, and favor. All right? Supernatural love. Peace.